0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Pond Hunter broadcast from the Under the Sea Radio Show on Blog Talk Radio. The Pond Hunter, in the pursuit of all things aquatic. Take a look into the world of koi ponds, water gardens, and the lifestyles of the aquatically obsessed. Meet the pros, hobbyists, and cover some no-nonsense pond advice straight from the field. The Pond Hunter. In the pursuit of all things aquatic, here's your host, koi pond and water garden expert, Mike Gannon.
1: Hey, 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 quite an introduction, hey, hey, hey everybody, welcome to the Pond Hunter Radio Broadcast, episode 50. I'm your host, Mike Gannon, very happy to be here with all of you. In this 50th episode, we're gonna be talking about how we can manage our ponds during periods of very high temperatures and heat waves. A lot of pond keepers live in areas that kind of always have high temperatures. Arizona and Texas come to mind, of course. And many of us pond keepers also live in areas that are prone to get heat waves. At some point, most pond keepers will deal with very sudden jumps in temperature to extreme highs for prolonged periods. In other words, a heat wave. And ponds, during those times, um, there's certain things that should be done uh, to kind of manage those situations. And ponds are no exception. And um, it's kind of like, this is where we have our, our goldfish our koi, our aquatic plants. There's some things that should be done a little differently during those times, and my guest tonight is going to help us wade through these types of issues. So Matt Boring of Texas Ponds and Water Features is going to be with us. Matt is the owner of Texas Ponds and Water Features. He's a well-respected pond professional in the industry. He's a contributing writer. To some of the industry magazine, Pond Trade magazine. I think being in Texas, Matt definitely deals with high temperatures on a pretty consistent basis. I'm sure that Texas has its share of heat waves as well. I'm excited to have Matt come on and join us and share his his expertise with us. So He's going to be with us momentarily, and um, we'll be able to talk about just some considerations that we need to have when those type of conditions hit us. Some of you, again, are living with these conditions on a pretty consistent basis, Um, but others of us, like myself, here based in New Jersey and the East Coast, we have very hot weather. But periods of time where really we hit some pretty serious heat waves. And when that happens, we need to uh, really make sure that we're doing our best to manage our ponds. Because things can go south pretty quickly in really high weather. So um, those tips and everything that we're going to kind of present to you tonight are really going to come in handy, I think, for a lot of us. So many of us do have to deal with that and sometimes we just don't know where to go with it so i just want to make sure that we're giving you guys some good tips and tricks and hints and suggestions for high temperature pond keeping we got some great tips for you coming up so matt's going to be here with us in just a little while um and i was hoping to speak with matt because He's one of the guys who I know in the industry who is a, again, just a very well-respected pond professional. And I know that in the area that he is and is located, that those temperatures most certainly can get way up there. Um, So let me see what I can do to maybe reach out to Matt. I'm going to try to give Matt a call here. So... Uh, we can get him on the line and join us as a guest. And so we can get some really good tips from him as well. So just bear with me a moment. I'm going to see if we can get him on the line with us. Let's see what we can do here. I think we're having some trouble connecting, so I just want to make sure that uh, uh, I can get him here with us momentarily. So let's see what we can do. So sometimes we have a little bit of connection challenges um with this platform that we're on it seems like we're having a little bit of a connection challenge right now but i think matt will be with us momentarily let's see what i can do to expedite that for all of us let's see if i can reach out to him i see him online so I hope you all just bear with me here for a moment and I'm going to reach out to Matt and see if I can. Sometimes we have guests call in. Sometimes we have to call out to them and that's what I'm going to do right now. See if I can get him on the line. Let's see. You guys are really in for some fun because this the, the technical stuff is my biggest challenge with these kind of things. <laughs> So let's see what we can do to bring him on. See how well my technical skills work on this broadcast.
0: Bell Canada. Vous avez obtenu le 7 2 3 8 2 3 3. Il n'y a pas d'abonnés à ce numéro. You I have reached 7 2 number. 3 8 2 3 3. There is no that. service at this. Okay. I'm going
1: to. If you guys bear with me, I'm going to give this one more college try, see what I can do to get Matt with us. Okay. I think, again, it's just my technical difficulties, uh, my tech skills that make this a little bit of a challenge. Let's see if we can get Matt on the line. And thanks for bearing with me. Let's see if we can connect with Matt here. Gosh. Okay. Let's try this again. Okay. I think we're going to get him this time. Thanks for your patience, everybody. Let's get Matt Boring on the line. I got his number that we can reach out to, and it's not in French,
2: which is awesome. Hey, Matt? Yeah, hey, Mike.
1: Hey, how you doing?
2: Pretty good. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing pretty good. Sorry we had a little bit of a technical difficulty. I guess you were trying to call in and we couldn't connect, but here we are. So thanks so much for coming on to the Pond Hunter Radio broadcast. How you doing today? pretty good. Thanks for having me. I'm very happy to have you here. Has it been um, hot in Texas this summer?
2: Um, it has been a little bit, not as much as it has in the past, but um, we had a couple of days last week, several in a row that were like 103, 105 degrees. Okay. It's pretty That's miserable. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> that could be hot. It could be miserable. So it sounds like we're going to be discussing the right topic tonight and giving the listeners some high-temperature pond-keeping tips. But um, before we get into the, our hot topic, let me um, ask you a little bit about your company, Texas Ponds and Water Features. Um, and uh, my, my struggles to connect earlier, I was kind of telling everybody a little bit about you, you but what about your company? How long have you been in business?
2: Um, I've been building ponds and water features for 17 years. Wow. And um, and you've always been in the started, Texas area? Yeah, always, well, yes, always in Texas. Um, we, we started in Austin, and then we tried to branch out and cover Houston as well. So for a few years, for quite a few years, actually, we were doing both Austin and Houston. But it just was... Eating into our time and profitability, so we've we've decided um, as of this year we're we're just working in the Austin area.
1: Okay, just service area, which is still pretty big. Austin is a, is a really big place,
2: especially with traffic.
1: <laughs> I'm sure traffic is just not a cakewalk anywhere. So that's great. So based out of Austin, you service that area, and you you're your um, company is a full-service company. You actually, you design, you install, uh, you maintain ponds, koi ponds, water gardens. Is that correct?
2: Yes, and we, starting this year, um, we've also um, moved into repair and maintenance and fix-ups of ponds that we did not build. Um, in the past, we always worked with our own customers. We designed, we built, we maintained for them but uh, we realized that there was a a huge need in our area for people to come help uh, new homeowners that may have a pond that they don't know how to take care of or something's gone out and the old pond builders out of business or no longer answering the phone, whatever. So we're, this year we've, we've uh, started going out and helping people solve their problems. Basically Uh, we have all this experience and it's, exactly the kind of experience those and so this year we're branching out and and helping just about anybody that we can
1: yeah and that's what pond professionals do i mean they they they're brought in to solve problems and to create beautiful outdoor living environments for people to really um, enhance their lifestyles so it's awesome you have um, any interesting projects this year in 2017
2: um, several actually well I don't know they're all interesting to me <laughs> we did we did one for um earlier this year for a place that's going to open uh, later this month called the Cosmic Coffee and Beer Garden which is going to be um locally made craft beers and coffees and they have a big outdoor eating area they've got a couple of food trucks lined up um, they're going to eventually have live music and stuff like that outdoors so it's the, um, the owner is really big into um, sustainability and uh, permaculture, and he's trying to use the property as a vehicle to to sort of educate people as to you know what yeah. to do, proper techniques and stuff. And he wanted the first thing before anything else, he wanted water feature. He wanted a pond on that property. So before they did anything else, we built that pond for him. Oh, that's cool. It's it's kind of like a, a centerpiece mystery. of the. Yeah, it's going to be a really neat place. Nice. And I like doing. So, you know, normally most, most of us probably always do, well, what, 90, 95, 99% of our work is in somebody's backyard. And so once we're done, nobody ever sees it except those people and their family and their friends. But doing something out in public is really, really a good thing for us you know, getting something out there where people can actually see it. It's a yeah. good demo.
1: Yeah, that's great. And it gives a, a good idea of what they can do um, for themselves. And a lot of times these amazing designs are not so out of reach. They're not as out of reach as people may think they are. So that that's great. It'd be a nice open public space for people to um, enjoy um, your artwork and your craft. That's great. So that's cool. And um, you also have a great website that I want to tell people about, texasponds.com. It's a really informative site. You got a lot of great stuff on there. People can get in touch with you through there and sign up for different services or or get you out there to talk about building and creating an an outdoor paradise for them as well. So everybody should check that out. It's texasponds.com. A very easy name to remember. So, You know, getting into our topic, I I think there's a lot of good general information out there that all pond keepers can utilize and apply almost regardless of where they keep their pond. But some pond keepers absolutely have to deal with high temperatures, where reaching over 100 degrees Fahrenheit is a pretty commonplace occurrence, like in your area. So I, I think pond keepers need to think differently about how they build their ponds, equipment choices, how they manage plants and fish etc. So let's kind of start at the beginning and talk about planning a pond. If you live in a hot area, what are some of the things that should be considered when people are planning a pond when they live in um, high temperature areas?
2: Well, shade is a good one. If, If there's already some existing shade, you know that's something to consider if you can get that shade onto the pond in the in the hot afternoon hours. Um, okay. That's that's probably the biggest thing that you can do is is make sure it's partially shaded. As far as where, where you're building it, um, we build most of our ponds are two feet deep ponds, regular uh, garden ponds, water gardens. Um, we have gone as deep as five feet. You know some some clients want deeper. Some fish lovers uh, insist that their ponds be deeper than two feet, so we can we can go deeper if people if people want that. Um, okay. And my my pond, um, it has a sunny part and a shady part. So there's a there's some shade that comes over part of the pond during the hottest part of the afternoon. So I would I would assume you know based on that, people are always telling me, oh yeah, you got to have deep pond for koi. So I would assume, well, it's one hundred and five degrees. Those koi are going to be hanging out in the shade, but really, they don't. They they still, you know, go through the entire pond. They don't huddle in the shade when it's hot. But we also, you know, we put a lot of. You were talking about plants and stuff. So yeah, water lilies are are a must. They provide great shade. And yeah. um, you know, if 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 possible, we put the some taller aquatic plants on the side of the pond where they'll provide some shade during the afternoon, something like <clears throat> elephant ears or something like that. We kind of got to be right. careful in, in our, with our climate because a lot of the aquatic plants that are maybe annuals to people in uh, cooler climates that they will have to actually replace them every year, those exact same plants can become very invasive down here because they oh, never wow. get a chance to cool off or freeze out. So their root systems stay alive, and they just get bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger. So we have to be careful about um, certain that other people don't have to be careful about. <laughs> yeah,
1: that would make a lot of Otherwise, sense. Otherwise, you will end up with just a,
2: a – oh, Yeah. Yeah. So many people, you know, I'll, I'll try to even tell my customers, you know, if you have a question about what plants to put in your pond, please contact me. Don't don't just go buy something at the nursery, because I'll go back and they'll put something in that's just totally invasive, and it's it's some things are almost impossible to get rid of, like horsetail. Once it's in, right, it's gonna be there forever, and it'll come up in the yard, it'll come up five feet from the pond, it'll come up all oh, yeah. through the pond
1: it's a real good time dealing with those plants. (laughs) So you do got to be careful. I'm interested in you're talking about, you know, the depth. So in-ground ponds would definitely be insulated better against high temperatures, for example, versus like an above-ground pond. Do you think that the above-ground ponds are more prone? Okay. So they're more prone to temperature issues and fluctuations than an in-ground pond would be.
2: Oh, I would say Almost absolutely, yes. Um okay. the and you ground, you know, is too. is so Yeah we we most of how, our how most of, the, of our ponds are I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> um, so I was gonna say most of our pond ponds are, are I think we have a delay That's, issue.
1: Yeah, I think we do. But go ahead. You're talking about most of the ponds.
2: Most of the ponds we do are two feet deep uh, ponds, just because um, we want them to be considered uh, landscape improvements, and we don't want to uh, put our customers in, under any weird swimming pool regulations. Some some people may say that a pond over two feet deep needs to be treated like a swimming pool and be fenced and and things like that. So, but but in a backyard, a lot of these people you know want their pond a little deeper than two feet, so we'll definitely go deeper. The deepest we have, we've done two ponds that are five feet deep.
1: Nice. So a deeper pond is going to be better insulated. It's going to stay cooler. Um, What about the size of a pond? Is that going to affect how it responds to temperature changes? Is a bigger pond better? Is a smaller pond more of a risk? What do you think of that?
2: Yeah, I think bigger ponds are definitely better because they're not as affected by not so quickly a small pond can be changed really quickly with temperature extremes or with even rainfall you know four inches of rain in a 20 by 20 pond is not going to change out nearly as much water as four inches of rain in an eight by eight pond or something like that you know what I mean
1: yeah okay so bigger and deeper should definitely be a consideration You know, I come across, I'm sure you see it too um, out in the field, a lot of ponds that um, just have exposed EPDM liners or they are the prefabricated like pond shells, maybe you get at Home Depot or some some of the garden centers. If it's just an exposed liner or one of those prefab shells, are those more prone to heat up?
2: Oh, I would say definitely just the black color is going to absorb the heat. And when you don't protect that EPDM from UV rays, you know, you're encouraging it to break down prematurely. All of our, you know, our our ponds have liner, and then we have uh, small boulders and gravel, you know, covering all the EPDM. We don't use those preformed shells. I've, I've seen them used around, you know, and, you know, as well as I do, you go to people's houses and they have these things already installed. A lot of times with our sunlight, I guess, uh, it causes those things to break down prematurely and they get brittle and those plastic things will crack and then they're just done for.
1: Yeah. The sun can really do a lot of damage to certain liners, certain types of liners. And, um, you know, we build the same way you do. We, we use rock and gravel to kind of cover our ponds and everything. So a rock and gravel pond essentially is better insulated against temperature fluctuations. Correct.
2: I would say so. Um, I just think having – well, you know, I, we build these ponds, and so before the water's in there, before the rocks and gravel are in there, we have an empty shell that's lined with black EPDM liner, and it's 100 degrees outside. So it's like, a you know, an oven, basically. But yep. once the rock and gravel go in, you can walk around in that pond, and it's, it's not nearly as hot. So I don't know, you know, once the water's added – what the difference might be. But I would assume that a, a black liner pond is going to have warmer water than one that has rock and gravel. That's, that's just my opinion. Yeah. I, guess.
1: <laughs> well, I think you're, you're, you're right. Um, I, I would agree with you on that. So, you know, we're, we're kind of talking about construction and, and how you're building stuff. Um, what about fish caves and fish tunnels? Is that a good way to oh. help? um, keep your fish from maybe getting too much sun or too much too high temperature?
2: Absolutely. Well, I, I, at least it gives them an option. You know, if, if they are too hot, they can go in there and there's shade, you know, so it's going to be cooler. Um, we, we try to install, uh, fish tunnels or fish caves, fish caves, a little more simple. Fish tunnels are, I like them a little better cause they have two entrances. They're a little more yeah. fun to build and yeah. to disguise because we always try to disguise everything so that you don't see that cave, you don't see that tunnel. It just looks like part of the pond's construction, the rocks and the gravel. Yeah. And then, hey, there's a little space in there, and hey, those fish just disappeared. Hey, look, it's coming out That's on the fun. other side. Wow. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's awesome. I love that, um, and I think the, the a little fish intrigue. Do enjoy Yeah, yeah, exactly. They can go in there and talk about their owners and plan their escape. I'm (laughs) sure they love their pond. So, you know, I was kind of thinking about some different considerations. And I think you touched on it real quick, but I guess where you locate your pond would be something to consider. So, like, I'm I'm thinking, and I I might be wrong, it may not even matter, but in hotter areas, maybe – you know, if you can choose where your pond's going to be, like your north, southeast, west side of your yard, maybe the southern exposure would not be the best location if you do live in high heat areas like um, Texas, Arizona, stuff like that. Would, do you think that's right, or, or maybe that's not
2: a real important consideration? Um, i got to tell you, I've, I've probably never, ever gone into a yard and said, oh, I got to put your pond here because that's where the shade is. I go to the yard and I go where the pond needs to be because of how it's going to be viewed from the house. Um, my own pond in the backyard, uh, I built this pond for one of my customers and then she moved out and bought a different house and she let me move into this house. So I'm living with one of these ponds that I built for someone else. This yard has no shade. It has no shade trees at all. So it's it's full sun and it goes from left to right across the yard. So um, it's in sun all day long, but when it does go into the afternoon, I have part of my uh, patio cover that provides shade to to a little end of my pond. And I don't have any problems with, you know, anything that is heat-related. I haven't had any problems with, um, you know, fish dying or anything, anything drastic. So um, I don't... Okay. I mean, I mean, I guess it could be a consideration, but I've never made it the consideration. My my main consideration of where I, is where it's going to look best from the the viewing area and you know be most interactive to the customer.
1: Okay, and then I guess you could, if if it does happen to be a hot area of the yard, regardless of its you know uh, orientation, whether it's southern exposure or not, you could. Um, use things like strategic landscape plantings and aquatic plantings to shade and kind of cool off that area so i yeah I guess the Absolutely. where it's located yep. now what about um when people are g- getting like filter systems together do you would you recommend using an integrated filter system like a skimmer, submerged pump, biofalls in high temperature areas or is it perfectly okay using external components? Is, is there a difference or is there no difference?
2: I really can't answer that too, honestly, because all these years I've used biofalls and skimmers, and uh, I would assume that having things buried, like the biofalls is buried in the, in the waterfall berm, the skimmer is on, in the ground, so the pump's sitting, you know, a couple of feet of water on top of it. I would assume that would keep things cooler than external. One one really neat thing that that helps, that I have on my pond, to Ed Ballou about this a little bit, um, a bog filter. The bog filter goes okay. four feet down into the ground. And so I came home the other day, and it was over 100 degrees, and I thought, oh, I'm going to stick my hand in the pond and feel how warm that. I bet it's like bath water. And it was actually rather cool. And I was thinking, why is my water so cool? And I was like, oh, that bog filter is probably pulling heat out and, and adding coolness as that water flows so you know slowly through the bog, and it's actually radiating heat away from the pond. And so I, I texted Ed Ballou and I said, Ed, is this possible? I might just be weird. And he goes, no, it's absolutely true. It's, it's the same thing as geothermal heating or geothermal cooling of a home. It's exactly the same. A bog filter can yeah. help keep, uh, keep a, a, a pond in this area even cooler than it would be. So that's a yeah. really good consideration.
1: Okay. And that doesn't sound weird. I mean, you should be trying to keep Austin weird. I mean, you know that. But <laughs> you don't have to. It doesn't have to be that way with your filter system. I've noticed, you know, even in my area, Um, There's a few ponds that I deal with, I help to manage, we provide services for that do have external filter components like pressure filters, like the Ultima um, or other types of small pressure filters. And I've never really looked at insulating them against the heat, but I kind of have noticed, you know, those are just filter components that are left exposed to the elements. And when you have what's supposed to be a biological filter sitting in the blaring sun on a a 107 degree day, I've always noticed that the ponds get a little murky and I I kind of attribute that to the filters getting so hot that the beneficial bacteria I think starts to die off. I think it just gets too hot, uh, for the bacteria. Um, so I've always wondered, you know, if, if you being in those areas, I guess you're not really dealing with those systems too much, but I've always wondered about that. And, in much hotter areas, because I'm in New Jersey. I mean, we get hot, but um, there's some areas where it's it's 100 de- 100 degrees for a month long is is kind of the norm. You know, we'll get 100 degree degrees. Wow, really? Here and, there. In- and I I just see. Well, I assume. I I mean, I guess you know, areas of Arizona or something like that. You know, maybe get 100 degrees may not oh, really?
2: really ruffle anybody's feathers. <laughs> oh, a few years ago Jersey, we had 90 90- 90. 90- Ninety days in a row of a hundred degree temperatures. Ninety days. Damn. Yeah, we had five months completely out of the year that were over a hundred. Ended wow. up being five whole months, including That's the ninety crazy. day stretch. Without, yeah, that was a hard year to deal with.
1: But I to tell the people. Yeah, New I would, Jersey I would,
2: I would stop, say that. Yeah. I, I would agree with you though. Putting stuff. Most components are made out of black plastic, and sticking them in the sun, yeah, I would agree that it can't help but to heat things up. You know, past where they would be if different components were used.
1: Even touching the outside of it gets really hot. External pumps can get really hot, and you got to think all the water passes through there, so it's almost like it's heating up your pond more than the ambient temperature would be. So you Right, know, it's producing you its own to, heat
2: and the and the ambient temperature as well. Yeah, the, the pump is producing heat dangerous. and being heated up by the sun. <laughs>
1: yeah, I so I, I think people who have those type of systems and there's, there's quite a few of them, they should be um I would keep a close eye when when you know that warm weather's coming, hot weather's coming. And you know, you had mentioned that you get these extended periods. If somebody knows that heat wave is forecasted Do you think they should try to do some preventive maintenance, maybe clean their filters and everything before high temperatures hit or just kind of leave things alone so they're
2: stable? I've never done anything preemptively against heat. Um, These ponds, you know, these ecosystem ponds, they pretty much can handle it. I mean, they handle it. It's just condensed into a, a backyard form. You know, so, yeah, it's going to get hot. It's going to get cold. Uh, you know, up north, I know these ponds freeze over, and you got to keep a hole in the ice. We don't have that, but we do have the heat. So what I've really um, come to admire about ecosystem ponds over the years is their flexibility. flexibility to, yeah. to kind of be, I mean, I see them in Canada. I see them in Texas. I see them in Mexico. <laughs> you know, they work. Basically, so it's it's not a far stretch. It's not like uh, designing something that's completely foreign or, or artificial, and then hoping everything's okay. This is pretty much just putting natural processes in place and and letting them do their thing. Because who does it better than nature?
1: Yeah, they are incredibly stable, and uh, that that's what I love about them as well. Being being an installer, you know, I I'm concerned that I want our clients to have a, a positive experience and not have to worry about ponds, um, fluctuations of any type temperature or otherwise. And, uh, the ecosystem ponds really are incredibly stable, um, in every way, including water quality, water clarity, the whole thing. So, okay. So we, we covered some stuff as far as the planning process, you know, where to put things out, make it bigger, make it deeper, consider, uh, equipment mm-hmm. considerations, Let's get into like when somebody has their pond, and we we started going down this path before. But let's talk about aquatic plants. Are there special considerations for plant care during hot weather? Anything special that needs to be done?
2: Not really. We just prune, you know, prune off the dead lily pads. I mean, do that. It's, um, my, you know how co- some people say the coin will eat your lilies. And you can't have koi in the same pond with lilies. Well, you know, like I have over 100 ponds in the ground with koi and lilies, so I don't know where that comes from. But my my koi leave the lilies completely alone until the pads start going yellow and start going down, and then they eat them. It's the weirdest thing. They leave them alone as long as they're green and growing, and then once they start turning mushy a little bit, then they eat them. So um, that's what I mean. That's a weird thing, but it seems to be just part of the system, of the the ecosystem thing. They don't mess with it yeah. when it's green. They eat it, though, when it's when it's starting to decay or, or rot, you know, or <laughs> break down a little bit.
1: Yeah. It sounds delicious, I got to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: so I
1: actually think that it seems to me like Maybe the plant really – seem to actually enjoy higher temperatures. I mean, of course, they're not wilting or anything because they're aquatic plants, um, but a lot of them seem to really almost have a, even a, a quick pop in how quickly they, they grow when you get these temperature spikes. I feel like it gets very jungly think- after we get our, our first high, high temperature, um, you know, a couple weeks.
2: I wonder if that's because um, many of these plants are, are almost kind of tropical. And then they really love that heat, especially, you know, a lot of these tropical lilies. They love that, the heat. Yeah. They don't mind at all.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, now, I wonder,
1: I, I, I don't know the answer. Maybe, maybe you do, maybe it doesn't even matter. But do you think it, it might be a bad idea to, if you know, like a heat wave is coming or something, or you know you're heading into higher temperatures, is it a bad idea to fertilize plants? At that time, would it is it better to maybe weigh thoughts on that?
2: I would not fertilize plants right before it gets hot because then you got extra nutrients in the in the water, and then that heat and the nutrients together, you know, might make your water murky. Um, we actually never fertilize any of our plants, so mm-hmm. that doesn't, you know, that's not not something that I would have any experience with. Um, when I was first started building these ponds, these ecosystem ponds, they used to tell us, if you want to fertilize your plants, feed your fish. You know, Normally, you don't have to feed the fish. They they just graze on the biofilm and the organic debris that that's in the pond and the bottoms or whatever. So we don't even normally feed the fish. But they say if you want to fertilize the plants, feed the fish because then the nutrients that come out of the fish are going to be in a, in a form that the plants can take up a little easier. So, okay, yeah, that's something. I I just that's never really. I, we've always had. I mean, I've had these experiences before where I'll have a pond that's totally balanced, the water's clear, and no algae, and everything's perfect. And I'm like, oh, I sure wish that lily would bloom a little more. Let me throw some fertilizer tabs down in the in the root system. Three days later, my pond's full of string algae. So like, no, I think I'll just let nature do its thing. (laughs) Most of the time, it it does it just perfect.
1: When nature's doing it, it's a beautiful thing. What about fish care? Um, Why are higher temperatures even a concern for fish keepers?
2: I really don't know. I think um, people have their own sets of experience based on their own locales. And they assume that the fish can't handle things that they assume that they can't handle. And I, with my experience, I would think probably thinking, oh, the fish are fine in in all this hot weather. I wonder how they do up north where it freezes over. How can they possibly survive? <laughs> but, yeah. Yep, they do. They're pretty hardy fish. Koi, goldfish, the right. you know.
1: So even during periods of of, uh, extreme weather, even in your area, you're not really coming across, um, you know, fish stressing out because of heat or or high water temperatures or anything like that. Everything basically does
2: remain fairly stable. Yeah, I can only say for the ponds that we build, and those are the ones I have the most experience with. I don't know that some of these other people that build, you know, some of these ponds that are above ground, for instance, like you were mentioning, um, if they have specific um, problems or situations that they have to address because of the way those ponds are built. We've always built the in-ground ponds so that, you know, right off the bat you get some geothermal cooling, and then, like, we were talking about putting the bog filter four feet down into the ground. I guess you could go even deeper if you wanted to. Um, yeah. Sure's underground that far or, or relatively stable. And since the bog flows the water th- through it so slowly, it gives it plenty of time to radiate off some of that heat and, and cool that water off before it pours back into the pond. Yeah. I like to put a yeah, bog on, on any pond that's 15 by 15 or larger If if there's possibly a way to do it I would much rather use that than the biofalls because I like how they um, they go together and make the waterfall easier for me to build but um, yeah sometimes I'll put a biofall but not put the any filtration media in it because I have a bog filter over there and the bog filter is going to do the filtration way way better than the biofalls would anyway so the biofalls may just be a waterfall box for me but that's how I like to build waterfalls. <laughs> I grew up yeah. building that way, so I'm not going to change yeah yeah, yeah bog bog filtration
1: is just powerhouse filtration, and uh you know the times that I've come across where I've seen heat stress with fish it 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 has been under um pretty specific circumstances usually they're they're either small ponds or shallow ponds or stuff like that where the water temperature just gets too high. So, you know, when when temperatures are real high, I, I usually recommend people um, maybe even cut back on their feeding a little bit um, when we're going through like a heat wave, especially in, in Jersey, um, you know, because it, it's just a temporary spike. So everything gets a little out of whack in that respect. Um, so, you know, I usually do tell them to feed a little bit less. I usually ask people to refrain from medicating. I'm not big on medicating in general but I don't think medicating fish during a a high temperatures um, heat waves or anything like that is a good idea. Um, What are your thoughts on,
2: on that? I would probably agree with that. We've never really medicated fish. Um, I've had one customer that um, ended up putting some salt pond salt in his, in his water. He had some fish that we had rescued from another pond that was, it, totally inadequately filtered, and they were huge, nice, well, I'll say huge, they were 15 to 20-inch 20 koi, there was 26 of them in a 10 by 15 pond that was two feet deep, and it was just black liner, and the water was black. <laughs> and the guy had this tiny little canister filter, and every day he'd do a partial water change, and he was he had all these chemicals lined up that he had to treat the water with. And he was moving, so he, he offered us those koi, and we took those, and we put them in one of our customers' ponds. And after a while, they started dying off one by one. So uh, uh-huh. he took one of them and got him checked out. And they said they have parasites. And, you know, this is probably something that they had when we brought them from the other pond. And uh, so he he treated his pond with salt. Yep. And, but as far as medicated... Pond food, you know, koi food and stuff like that. We've never actually done that. I've never really had koi show sores or, you know, any signs of sickness. You know, every once in a while we get one that dies. A, a fish will die. But right. it's so rare that it's – I mean, if we had three or four die in, in, in a row, then, yeah, something's wrong. But, you know, one dies and another one dies a year or two later. It's not something I'm going to say, wow, there's something wrong with this pond. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I kind of have the same experience. It's very very rare. Um extremely rare that we get sick ponds and you know, we deal with a lot of ponds. We deal with literally thousands and thousands of fish and it's it's pretty rare, you know. Um so we don't we don't do a lot of medication. That that's for sure. So I and I certainly wouldn't recommend it um in periods of really high temperatures because I think that's you're you're kind of borderline on stressful situations anyway.
2: If what is some, yeah, the some fish things are already that you stressing do? from the heat,
1: yeah, you know, and if that's the case, let's say you need to bring the water temperatures down a little bit. What are some things that people could do maybe to, to cool their ponds off if they're having some temperature issues?
2: Oh, float giant blocks of ice in there, okay, <laughs> the iceberg approach. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I really don't know that as far as cooling stuff up. I would think that by doing, uh, you know, say partial water changes, maybe a 10% yeah. water change three days in a row or something, add a little dechlorinator and, and stuff, water conditioner just, I mean, if you're only changing out 10%, you really don't need the dechlorinator, but, you know, why not if you're going to do it three days in a row? Just Yeah. Uh, but that, that will introduce some cooler water from the hose, you know, pump out some of the wa- warmer water from the pond and... Pump it in your garden, you know that stuff's some good water, good nutritious natural fertilizer, so yeah, always yeah. you know always if you're pumping pond water out, pump it on your plants or on your grass or somewhere, but then, yeah, just yeah. add a little water from the hose, maybe have to do it several days in a row uh, if you have these extended heat waves, um, yeah, that might be a way to do it, yeah, cheaper that would than the ice be a good way to do it.
1: Yeah, and that, you know that's not so crazy, Matt, because,
2: <laughs> because I've done that.
1: Um, you know, we've we've had uh, a couple situations um, actually during cleanouts where fish are being kept in temporary containers, and just the days temperatures get away from us, and we've literally floated bags of ice and and you know freezer packs and stuff like that to bring down temperatures. So I I wouldn't see any problem if somebody you know popping some ice or freezer packs in their skimmer or in their biofalls, even in their stream to kind of slowly help to bring down um temperatures. I think running a hose is a good suggestion. And um adding shape yeah, those, you know, those maybe freezer packs that sounds just, like
2: a great idea.
1: Yeah. You know, you get some of those, those in there. Those bell packs or something? Yeah. But I would say just don't when it comes to running a hose, don't add too much water too quick because you can literally cool your pond down too quick. So that that's you know, let it run low and slow for a bit. Um, and adding shade, you can do, you can put an umbrella by your pond. You you could add a shade sail over your pond. There's a few
2: different those things. Those shade sails are awesome.
1: Yeah. Those yeah, shade sails are, are amazing.
2: They're, yep. Mm-hmm. They're really cool and they're fun.
1: I, I, I would like to put one up full time.
2: Yeah. Um, and you can put them at, at, at the right cool. angle at the right place so that you can, uh, Get the shade exactly where you need it, where you want it at the right time of the year. Because you know how the sun tracks across the sky a little different in the winter or in the summer. So you need that right, shade yeah. maybe in the summer. You don't need it so much in the winter. So those shade yep. cells are so neat.
1: You are dealing with high temperature situations. You can do those things to bring down temperature. But I think having a, an aerator on hand, too, if you don't consistently oxygenate your water, having a, a portable air pump or you know, a small air pump can come in very handy uh, when temperatures start getting high. So aerating a pond is a real yeah, good way to do it as well.
2: Especially if you keep that air pump in the shade. You don't want to be have it right out in that 110-degree sun pumping that, that hot air pond. But definitely, I, I agree that aeration is... We, we always aerate our deeper ponds, not necessarily our two-feet deep ponds. But um, yeah, I I I really like that Aquascape Pro aerator. Yeah, that's a beast. It
1: really puts out the air. <laughs> it does, no doubt.
2: Yeah, those are awesome.
1: So aeration is a really. Yeah, good
2: I've area. used the smaller ones. I've used the smaller aerators before, but that that Pro aerator really puts out the bubbles.
1: Yeah, they really do. They crank. They're awesome. And um, and some tips for the humans, too. If it gets really hot out, go hang out by your pond because temperatures sometimes... You'll go hang out in your lower. pond. Go hang out in your pond. Get on that iceberg <laughs> and float around your <laughs> pond. Float. You know, So temperature control no, is, is is great for everybody. And it's another great reason to have a yeah, pond. You're... It's kind of like nat- natural air conditioning in, in your backyard.
2: It's true. It's... Uh... The waterfall is going to create some evaporative cooling. It just can't help but create evaporative cooling. So if if it's close up to the the viewing area, I would definitely think that's a cooler place to be than in the other yard where there's no pond.
1: Uh, of course, I have one in my, my front yard
2: too. So <laughs> <laughs> I got a big pondless waterfall in the front yard too. So no matter which door I go out, I'm here in waterfall.
1: You got options. You got options. That's cool. So these are some great tips. I, I hope everybody has learned something from this. And, Matt, thank you so much for coming on to the Pond Hunter Radio Broadcast. The time just has flown by. Um, I really pre- appreciate you being here and, um, and for sharing my 50th episode with me, a really hot episode. So um, I oh, just wow. want to remind everybody where they – yeah, yeah, it's number 50, man. Um, this is the best episode.
2: <laughs>
1: it is. So far, so good. So people can catch up with you. Uh, Your website is texasponds.com. You're on Facebook. You're on Instagram.
2: Where else can people find you? Uh, We're on Twitter. We're on House. um, A a bunch of those uh, pro sites, those little – we are on LinkedIn. But mostly, I post on Instagram because I I try to put something on Instagram every day because it'll also go to my uh, Facebook feed and my Twitter feed. So I try to put yep. on something every morning, at least during the weekdays. Um, yeah. So that I can I mean those yeah. are my three big ones.
1: Yeah, and I follow you on all of them. You post some really great stuff and. Listen, if, if anybody wants to check out some of the articles that Matt has written for Pond Trade Magazine, they can go to pondtrademag.com and just check out the archives. And Matt is listed as one of the contributing authors. Matt, thank you so much for coming on and sharing these tips with um, the listeners. I really appreciate
2: you being here. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. I appreciate it. You bet.
1: My pleasure. Take good care, and I'll catch up with you soon.
2: All right. Happy pondering.
1: Happy pondering. Take good care, man. So that was Matt Boring from Texas Ponds and Water Features, everybody. And Matt services the Austin and Central Texas area. Thanks again, Matt, for sharing your knowledge with us. So as a quick recap, um, let's do a rundown of what we covered. If you live in an area that gets really hot, of course, plan for that. Go in ground with your pond. For the insulating benefits of Mother Earth, in-ground ponds are much cooler than above-ground ponds. Dig a little deeper than usual to ensure that those cooler zones of water uh, are keeping the, the pond nice and cool during the hottest of weather. And remember that rock and gravel inside of ponds not only look amazing and help in filtration, but they are excellent insulators. And they'll keep your pond cooler and less prone to temperature fluctuations in summer and in winter. Put in a fish cave or a fish tunnel, allow those fish to get out of the sun and keep your aerator handy. And make sure you position the diffusers correctly. Don't go too deep um, because you don't want to mix up the bottom water which is probably cooler than the top water. And if you ever really have an emergency, you could drop bags of ice or freezer packs into your skimmer, your biofalls, your stream to help bring down temperatures um, or just run some, uh, your hose, running into your pond if you're on city water you know you want to treat it accordingly so you're not getting uh, chlorine issues or anything like that and the best thing of course is always just preparation watch your weather make sure that you know what's happening um what's around the corner as far as the conditions that your pond may be subjected to so that's it in a nutshell i'm your host mike gannon my company It's Full Service Aquatics, and we're based out of New Jersey. We specialize in koi ponds, water gardens, water feature design, installation, and services. My website is fullserviceaquatics.com. My phone number is 908-277-6000. And if you have a project or a pond issue you'd like to discuss, give me a call. And you can also find more of the Pond Hunter radio broadcast archived on iTunes, and you can find it on YouTube as well. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the Pond Hunter radio broadcast. I really do hope that this content is helpful to all of you aquatically obsessed. Thanks for doing episode 50 with me. That's pretty cool. Episode 50. I appreciate all of you listening. It's hard to believe I'm 50 episodes deep into this podcast. You know, in this, I'm trying to bring you the best advice in pond keeping, fish keeping and water gardening. In my opinion, The water is really muddy when it comes to good pond keeping information that you get out there on the internet, the interwebs and all that good stuff. Spend an hour on social media and you know what I mean. The information and advice given here in this broadcast is largely based on experience in the field, working directly with ponds and water features of every type for 20 plus years now. And as a pond professional, I'm the guy that solves people's pond keeping problems. I'm the guy called in when things are going wrong. My job is to make them right. I rarely get a call to come out and see how great a pond is doing. I would love to get those calls too, you know. Y'all, give me a call. So I base what comes out of my mouth on direct personal experience with what I am reporting to you. And I'm sharing with you all about what I see working well for ponds. Let me talk about what doesn't work, too. I report to you all with as little bias as I can muster. I try to present the fun stuff and the challenges involved with pond keeping and have nothing to gain or take away from any of the methods, equipment, products, or information that I promote, endorse, or use. I try to give you all good, honest view into my world of being a pond professional. I hope that the information I give you will in fact make your pond keeping experiences a better one, a more enjoyable one, or even the life changing experience that it can be. And if I can't base what we're talking about on direct personal first person experience, I will bring in an industry expert to help us sort out all the issues that pond keepers have to deal with. I hope the information I present saves pond keepers time, energy, an amazingly enjoyable experience if it's done wrong it can be real drag and expensive professional pond installations they're expensive bottom line but to have it done right the first time really is a huge savings in the long run huge ponds done wrong are more expensive I'll always recommend working with your local pond professional preferably a certified professional when planning a koi pond water garden water feature get it done right Because whether you're two years old or 102 years old, a beautiful water feature interests and pleases everybody. It's a great family hobby. Keeps everyone home and together. I mean, come on. Everybody should have a pond. Seriously. And that's what I'm trying to bring you with the Pond Hunter Radio Broadcast. I'm 50 episodes deep into that endeavor. Thanks again to all of you that listen. Thanks to all my awesome guests who have shared the airwaves with me. I love you all. I'm thankful for you all. We'll see you on the next episode. You can catch up with me on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, iTunes, and we'll see you next time. Until then, keep it Pondy, everybody, and I'll be watching for you on the next Pond Hunter radio podcast.
0: You have been listening to the Pond Hunter radio broadcast on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Mike Gannon, the Pond Hunter. In the pursuit of all things aquatic, broadcasting Wednesday nights on Blog Talk Radio. The Pond Hunter, keeping it pondy for the aquatically obsessed.
1: That's right, everybody. Keeping it pondy, and we will catch you next time. Take good care. Keep cool.